Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. You must indeed, my friend, for I forgive and thank you. Andrew retired back, but Marjorie came forward. She looked earnestly on Edmund. She then threw her arms about his neck and wept aloud. My precious child, my lovely babe, thank God that I live to see this day. I will rejoice in your good fortune and your bounty to us, but I must ask one more favor yet, that I may sometimes come hither and behold that gracious countenance, and thank God that I was honored so far as to give thee food from my own breast, and to bring thee up to be a blessing to me and to all that know thee. Edmund was affected. He returned her embrace. He bade her come to the castle as often as she pleased, and she should always be received as his mother. The bride saluted her, and told her the oftener she came, the more welcome she should be. Marjorie and her husband retired, full of blessings and prayers for their happiness. She gave vent to her joy by relating to the servants and neighbors every circumstance of Edmund's birth, infancy, and childhood. Many a tear was dropped by the auditors, and many a prayer wafted to heaven for his happiness. Joseph took up the story where she left it. He told the rising dawn of youth and virtue, darting its ray through the clouds of obscurity and how every stroke of envy and malignity brushed away some part of the darkness that veiled its luster. He told the story of the haunted apartment, and all the consequences of it, how he and Oswald conveyed the youth away from the castle, no more to return till he came as master of it. He closed the tale with praise to heaven for the happy discovery that gave such an heir to the house of Lovell, to his dependents such a lord and master, to mankind a friend and benefactor. There was truly a house of joy, not that false kind in the midst of which there is heaviness, but that of rational creatures, grateful to the supreme benefactor, raising their minds by a due enjoyment of earthly blessings to a preparation for a more perfect state hereafter. A few days after the wedding, the Lord Fitzowen began to prepare for his journey to the north. He gave Edmund the plate linen and furniture of the castle, the farming stock and utensils. He would have added a sum of money, but Sir Philip stopped his hand. We do not forget, said he, that you have other children. We will not suffer you to injure them. Give us your blessing and paternal affection, and we have nothing more to ask. I told you, my lord, that you and I should one day be sincere friends. We must be so, answered the baron. 
It is impossible to be long your enemy. We are brothers, and shall be to our lives' end. They regulated the young man's household. The baron gave leave to the servants to choose their master. The elder ones followed him, except Joseph, who desired to live with Edmund as the chief happiness of his life. Most of the younger ones chose the servants of the youthful pair. There was a tender and affectionate parting on all sides. Edmund besought his beloved William not to leave him. The baron said he must insist on his being at his brother's wedding, as a due attention to him, but after that he should return to the castle for some time. The baron and Sir Philip Harclay, with their train, set forward. Sir Philip went to London, and obtained all he desired for his Edmund. From thence he went into Yorkshire, and settled his affairs there, removing his pensioners to his other house, and putting Lord Fitzowen in possession of his own. They had a generous contention about the terms, but Sir Philip insisted on the baron's accepting the use of everything there. "'You hold it in trust for a future grandchild,' said he, "'whom I hope to live to endow with it.' During Sir Philip's absence, the young Lord Lovell caused the haunted apartment to be repaired and furnished for the reception of his father by adoption. He placed his friend Joseph over all his men-servants, and ordered him to forbear his attendance. But the old man would always stand at the sideboard, and feast his eyes with the countenance of his own master's son, surrounded with honour and happiness. John Wyatt waited upon the person of his lord, and enjoyed his favour without abatement. Mr. William Fitzowen accompanied Sir Philip Harclay from the North Country, when he returned to take up his residence at the castle of Lovell. Edmund, in the arms of love and friendship, enjoyed with true relish the blessings that surrounded him, with a heart overflowing with benevolence to his fellow-creatures, and raptures of gratitude to his Creator. His lady and himself were examples of conjugal affection and happiness. Within a year from his marriage she brought him a son and heir, whose birth renewed the joy and congratulations of all his friends. The Baron Fitzowen came to the baptism, and partook of his children's blessings. The child was called Arthur, after the name of his grandfather. The year following was born a second son, who was called Philip Harclay. Upon him the noble knight of that name settled his estate in Yorkshire, and by the king's permission he took the name and arms of that family. The third son was called William. He inherited the fortune of his uncle of that name, who adopted him, and he made the castle of Lovell his residence, and died a bachelor. The fourth son was called Edmund, the fifth Owen, and there was also a daughter called Emma. When time had worn out the prejudices of Sir Robert Fitzowen, the good old baron of that name proposed a marriage between his eldest son and heir, and the daughter of Edmund, Lord Lovell, which was happily concluded. The nuptials were honoured with the presence of both families, and the old baron was so elevated with this happy union of his descendants, that he cried out, Now I am ready to die, I have lived long enough, this is the band of love that unites all my children to me, and to each other. He did not long survive this happy event. He died full of years and honours, and his name was never mentioned but with the deepest marks of gratitude, love, and veneration. Sweet is the remembrance of the virtuous, and happy are the descendants of such a father. They will think on him and emulate his virtues. They will remember him and be ashamed to denigrate from their ancestor." Many years after Sir Philip Harclay settled at the castle, he received tidings from his friend Zadisky 
by one of the two servants who attended him to the Holy Land. From him he learned that his friend had discovered, by private advices, that he had a son living in Palestine, which was the chief motive of his leaving England, that he had met with various adventures in pursuit of him, that at length he found him, converted him to the Christian religion, and then persuaded him to retire from the world into a monastery by the side of Mount Labanus, where he intended to end his days, that Walter, commonly called Lord Lovell, had entered into the service of the Greek emperor, John Paleologus, not bearing to undergo a life of solitude and retirement, that he made up a story of his being compelled to leave his native country by his relations, for having accidentally killed one of them, and that he was treated with great cruelty and injustice, that he had accepted a post in the emperor's army, and was soon after married to the daughter of one of the chief officers of it. Zadisky foresaw and lamented the downfall of that empire, and withdrew from the storm he saw approaching. Finally, he bade the messenger tell Sir Philip Harclay and his adopted son that he should not cease to pray for them, and desired their prayers in return. Sir Philip desired Lord Lovell to entertain this messenger in his service. That good knight lived to extreme old age in honor and happiness, and died in the arms of his beloved Edmund, who also performed the last duties to his faithful Joseph. Father Oswald lived many years in the family as chaplain. He retired from thence at length, and died in his own monastery. Edmund, Lord Lovell, lived to an old age, in peace, honor, and happiness. He died in the arms of his children. Sir Philip Harclay caused the papers related to his son's history to be collected together. The first part of it was written under his own eye in Yorkshire, the subsequent parts by Father Oswald at the castle of Lovell. All of these, when together, furnish a striking lesson to posterity of the overruling hand of providence and the certainty of retribution. End of part twelve. End of the old English baron by Clara Reeve.